This is Two Guys in a River. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. We're two lifelong friends who love fly fishing for trout. Our podcast is all about helping you catch more fish and deepening your love of the time you spend on the river. We are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. Some things in life are counterintuitive. I saw an article recently in Forbes magazine online that talked about 17 counterintuitive things that most successful people do. Included in the list was quitting. Now, I thought that was interesting because when I was a kid, my junior high baseball coach used to drill into us this little mantra, winners never quit and quitters never win. But guess what? That's not always true. Sometimes quitters win. It's because they quit what they can't do well and they find something that they're really good at. So does that mean you're going to quit fly fishing, my friend? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thanks. Well, no, not exactly. But that's the reason, seriously, that I quit trying to play golf. I did it so I could concentrate on the things I'm better at, like being such an awesome fly fisher. (laughs) Uh, Forbes also talked about isolating yourself. That is getting away from the people you want to impact so that you can recharge and have something to offer when you do reconnect the next day or the next week. So today we're going to talk about something that's counterintuitive when we're fly fishing and there's a hatch on. Uh, Dave, if there are caddis flies fluttering all over the water, what is the default strategy of most fly fishers, the including first, us? Well, yeah. absolutely. The first thing is you tie on an elk hair caddis and let it float down the food line with the dozens of live caddis flies. Yep. I mean, you did that with the Mother's Day caddis oh, yeah. hatch, right, on Montana? Yep, exactly. I did. But there's another approach that is counterintuitive and often highly effective. It's fishing under the surface when the trout are feeding on the feast above the surface. So why in the world would we do this? First reason is that because where there are surface flies, there are subsurface flies, which are the emergers coming up through the water column. Yeah, some fish are just as happy chasing the emergers rather than uh, the fish feeding off the surface. In some ways, it might be easier, right? Yeah. It might be less effort. Yeah, that's Uh, right. We kind of had an experience a little bit like that, didn't we, on Canfield Creek? Uh, last spring, we were out in the south uh, eastern part of Minnesota and fishing this wonderful fishery inside Forestville Mystery State Park. And all of a sudden, the caddis started popping. And we were fishing along the stream, and we caught some fish, but we did probably 10% of what we could have caught. And I just didn't think to, to put on emergers. And yeah. I know this, right? You'd think I would have done this, but I didn't. The other issue was we didn't, I don't think, have the right color of caddis and yeah that's um, right we talked about that in a yeah, previous podcast exactly. not our fault we, we yeah, blame exactly. the fly shop that, so how would that have you fished that would have you dropped a, a merger like how far would have you dropped you that? know i think because it was such a small creek i probably would have i, I would have uh, uh maybe tied on at least probably a foot maybe maybe even 16 inches of tippet and then uh, and then put the dropper on and then what happens if, if you can see your uh, your, your elk hair caddis, let's say, that's on the surface, and that's another issue. Sometimes there's so many caddis you can't. But if you can see that, that almost becomes your strike indicator. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So great point. Where there are surface flies, there are emergers. 
I think another reason that we do this, that we fish under the surface when all the activity seems to be on the top of the surface, is something I just alluded to, and that is sometimes the surface is so cluttered you can't see your fly. Man, that's so true. Now, I've had this happen when, when I lived in Montana, and I would, I would try to get over to the Mother's Day caddis hatch on the Yellowstone River. Uh, they called it the Mother's Day caddis because that's when, it was around Mother's Day when the hatch was really kind of at its zenith, although it continued into the summer. The problem is by Mother's Day, it's usually blown out. So it was usually... What's blown out? Oh, blown out. Yeah, meaning the snow runoff was starting, and so the river was high. It looked like chocolate milk, and the fish were not rising at all. So what we would do is, is hope that uh, the caddis hatch would start the beginning of it in late April before the rivers would blow out. And I remember one day I was over there fishing with uh, another friend. His name was Dave, and... I was so excited. There were so many flies. But then when I made my first cast, I realized I have no idea where my fly is. So I did later tie some flies with strips of red Antron body wool on top, you know, right on top of the elk hair, uh, so I could see these. And that, that helped, but still, uh, it, it's hard to see. Now, in addition to letting a nymph sink and pulling it to the surface, you can even use a dropper, which drops down a foot or so, and then pull it up. Uh, I did this one day on Nelson Spring Creek. Uh, there was a betis hatch on, and I fished with a dropper after I got tired of not seeing my fish when the water boiled, and I actually caught a few uh, that way, so it works. The third reason is because sometimes the splashes on the surface are really trout chasing emergers from the bottom. Well, that's true. And this is true with caddis flies. We talked about this in a previous podcast, but your friend Dwayne Dunham says that an emerger pattern often will outfish an elk hair caddis floater. He says that he's caught many on the caddis uh, pupa, fished with vigorous strips after letting it sink. You know, that's a great point. Sometimes I don't think or I don't visualize what's actually happening, you know, under the surface. I may think of a fish that's just kind of sitting there in the current you know, eating everything as it comes by, and, and they will do that. But during a, a hatch, uh, they may be chasing stuff up from the bottom, and so that's a, that's a good technique. Hey, here's a fourth and final point, uh, fourth and final reason why you might want to fish under the surface instead of above the surface, even when all the action's happening on top. Uh, sometimes emergers work better right before the hatch begins in uh, full strength. And it, it's almost like you're, you're getting these random, uh, I guess it's like popcorn. You know, you put in the uh, bag of, of microwave popcorn into your microwave. And, and at first, you, you get these little random pops. You know how that is? Uh, great image, isn't it? Yeah, fly fishing and popcorn. Uh, there, there's a connection there. I have all yeah. sorts of snarky comments that I'll keep to myself. I really appreciate that. Anyway, the point I was so desperately trying to make, it's kind of like those random uh, kernels that pop at the beginning. That, that's how a hatch starts. You, Instead of getting uh, you know, a dozen uh, emergers that are all heading to the surface at once, you get one here, one there. What that means is you're probably not going to see a lot of uh, trout feeding on these flies when they get to the surface. There's just not enough of them. Yeah. Uh, but the, the fish will be quicker to spot the actual emerger. 
And I remember this happening a few years ago. I was fishing with a red fox squirrel nymph. Uh, Bob Granger gets the credit for putting me onto that. He taught me how to tie that pattern. And uh, I, I used that a lot on the Yellowstone right before the caddis hatch happened. I remember one day I was fishing uh, uh, near Pine Creek. You remember right down from the KOA yeah. campground? We yeah, fished yeah. there before. And I was just getting started, and I caught a couple of, uh, of, of like 16-inch rainbows on that red fox uh, squirrel nymph. And uh, a friend of mine... Were you had, dead drifting that thing? How I was. Yeah, I was just dead drifting it. You know, I really should have been... Uh, uh, well, we'll talk about that. I think there's something else I should have done, but I was just dead drifting it. But anyway, a couple guys that I knew came by in a drift boat. They had just started out, and they had actual... Uh, uh, caddis dry fly patterns on so they left and I think I caught a couple more uh, the next day I, I talked to my buddy he, they didn't they didn't catch a one on a dry oh my when they finally switched to uh, nymphs they they started catching a few and that just reminded me uh, you you really ought to think about that when when you know that a particular hatch is going to hit at a particular time you know it could be the caddis hatch in April it could be a some you know, betas hatch. Yeah, and mayflies. Uh, well, betas and mayflies, kind of the same thing, but it could be the Hendricksons, whatever it is. You know, a week or two before that hatch really starts in earnest, you might want to think about putting on an emerger pattern and playing around with that to see what happens. So, Dave, how do you fish these things? That's, that's what we ought to talk about. It's one thing to say, well, yeah, mergers can be good, but... How do you fish these? There are a lot of ways to fish them. Obviously, you can dead drift these emergers. Yep. But and that's what I did that day, but I think I missed out because I think there's more you can do. And we've alluded to this a little bit earlier, but the other way is to drop it off of, uh, of, a, of a dry fly. So you have mm -hmm. the elk hair caddis yeah. as your top fly, and that's a dry fly. And, and then you're you, still drifting. And you're there. still drifting yeah. it, but then you drop, um, maybe you create 12 to 16 inches and add another fly, and that's the emerger. And that emerger sits in the film, and and the, and the film kind of being that I mean, right there, rubbery, just, just thin, rubbery right surface, right below the yeah. surface, yeah. And so the other thing that I, I just was reading this in Gary Borger's book, Nymphing. I was on a business trip this last week, and I'm I've been trying to reread the classics. Some of these I've read, but it's so interesting. You start to read them again, and you realize, oh man, I've forgotten all this stuff, or maybe I didn't fully absorb it the first yeah. time. But he called it the strip tease, where you can fish these emergers at, or even a nymph and actually strip them back mm. a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you kind of strip just a little bit and then pause, strip it back. Usually when you're thinking about stripping a fly, you're thinking about a, uh, about a streamer. Pull it in a little bit, then pause. And it's amazing how many, according to Gary Borgers, I haven't done this a lot, but he writes about this ability to catch fish, just the slow and and steady stripping that back now it's probably not like a streamer where you're stripping it back in six inch you know strips real quickly but um he i think it's like a strip and a pause yeah. you know, stripping it back and then a pause yeah, that reminds me of the joe brooks method in fact uh Dwayne dunham taught me that on the yellowstone river many many years ago uh when your nymph is drifting down the run you you simply take your fly rod tip let's say you're uh, maybe your rod is parallel to the ground and you just lift it up during the drift and drop it back down, lift it up, drop it back down. And so your fly is both 
floating down, but it's also it's also emerging, and then it kind of settles back down, and then it emerges again. So that works. Yeah. Well, it's time for great stuff from our listeners. Here's a terrific comment from our guide friend, Glenn, in the Adirondacks of New York State. Uh, we post stuff just so we'll learn from his comments. Absolutely. We're, we're trying to get this a This was comment. pure gold. Yeah, this pure was great. Gold. Uh, this is what he posted in response to our article on working on your fly fishing swing. Glenn wrote, One of the techniques that I use when swinging nymphs is to lower my rod tip as my flies reach the end of the swing. I will pause for a second and then slowly raise my rod tip to imitate an emerger. When doing this, I always use a strip set to set the hook. The fish usually hook themselves, so by raising your rod tip abruptly, there's a good chance of pulling the hook right out of the fish's mouth. Well, there's a couple great little yeah. insights in there. And one of those, I think, is it's kind of the Joe Brooks method modified, isn't it? But he's doing it at the end of the swing. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, and we've said this before, and I now know this uh, because he's crystallized it in his, his reply, but... Remember when we'd fish in the spring? You're going to go back to Montana the spring, aren't you? Yeah, and fish, I uh, am. Fish the spawners? Yeah, a couple of days I'm, I'm en route to... Uh, uh, actually, my father-in-law's uh, memorial service in Idaho. He passed away uh, a few weeks ago at 90 years of age. But I uh, thought, well, since I'm going to be out there, I'm going to fly fish a couple I wanted of days. To, I wanted to go with you, but yeah, I just... No. I just can't make it this time. We'll have to save our Montana trip yeah, for the fall. That's right. But anyway, so we would, you know, it, we fish the Lower Madison, and it's a pretty big run, and so we fish it like a steelhead run. We'll just cycle through it. But at the end of those big drifts, you know, often that's when you catch those big rainbows, and uh, and often it's probably because I'm inadvertently doing something that's right. I don't even know yeah, what I'm doing. Yeah, that's very true. Well, that's going to do it for today. Please share with us any other insights you have about fishing emergers during a hatch. Go to twoguysinariver.com and comment on this podcast link. What else have you learned about fishing emerger patterns when there's a lot of action on the surface? You can find Two Guys in a River pretty much everywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, on your smartphone with a podcast app. And of course, you can visit our website, twoguysinariver.com. We publish a new episode and a new article each week on the website. All right. Thanks again for listening. I'm Steve Mathewson. And I'm Dave Getz. Until next time, we are Two Guys in a River. For the love of fly fishing. <laughs>